Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Hey there, good morning. Come on in and pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. We have two new friends joining us in the cafe this morning. First up this half hour is Kelly Henderson, the new president and CEO of Catholic Social Services of Columbus. Then at 8.30, Brother Michael Hurley, OFM Capuchin, serving at Christ the King Parish, will join us. So good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Let's start in prayer. In the name of the Father, excuse me, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Hmm. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for your goodness and for your graces. We, um, we come before you asking for those particular graces that each one of us need for the day that is ahead of us. The ways that we will serve and love our family, our friends, our co-workers, anyone that you have before us the ways that you are even calling us to to minister to ourselves, to love ourselves so that we can know that our true identity lies in you and that we are children of God. We ask that you give us a greater love for our neighbor, to, to know those around us, and to give ourselves to you in the service of them. We offer ourselves to Mary and her intercession and through the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. <laughs> A big smile on your face this morning. Oh, oh. is that different? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But especially this morning. Uh, um, you're beaming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what I should say about that. Yeah, just say, you're beaming too, Dave. Would have been uh, oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Dave, you are particularly exuberant this morning. Oh, it's so good. How was your evening last night? Mm. And this weather is just... I was back at Sharon Woods last night. Oh, yeah. For evening. I had neither an incident with a caterpillar nor <laughs> a, a walnut. So oh. I was blessed by that. So I was in a safe space. You were in a for safe evening. space <laughs> yeah. without so, walnuts or caterpillars. That's right. Uh, for, yeah, for evening prayer. And it's just so nice uh, this time of year to be out and just taking in the beauty of the world and yeah, yeah, and praising God. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, it's just been a blessing. And I, I read this article uh, about the burden of hurry. And... Um, just Which I thought you said burden of curry. And I'm like, Make, what? <laughs> no, curry is never a burden. Never. But hurry, <laughs> um, on the other hand. But actually, it kind of ties into what you're sharing about going to Sharon Woods. And I found myself last night. I would have liked to go to the park that's close to my house. But I just didn't get there. So, you know, the sun was going down. And I was like, I'm just going to take a walk around my neighborhood, even if it's almost time for bed. <laughs> um, um, okay, the sun was already way down. I don't go to bed at sundown, but it was getting close, okay? <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I just had this moment. I was walking in the moonlight and the clouds were uh, one. I was so grateful that Lord has blessed us with this weather so that we could be out during this time. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I just had this realization that, you know, the clouds were moving really slowly over the moon and it's not just me, right? Like there's this connection with our lady and the moon, how like the sun is reflective. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so when I look at the moon, I often think of Mary and I just had this beautiful moment of, um, cause I'm trying to be more restful and trying to be more present to God. And like, even in the ways that maybe I'm not in adoration, you know, specifically in prayer. Um, so so I had this moment where I was just like, wow, like look at how the moon, as it goes through these clouds, it creates this halo effect. Like mm-hmm. the, the light reflects, 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 yeah, is yes. reflected. Yes. No, refraction. <laughs> it's called refraction. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let me get to my point. It was this beautiful moment of like when we let Mary shine through us, it, mm. it, it goes out. You know, like obviously she's much brighter on her own if it yeah. wasn't going through a cloud, but but when we let her um, shine through us, when we let her and her son like be a part of us, then um, there's this a beautiful dispersion effect. It just reminded me of our conversation yesterday, how we were right. Just uh, that, yeah, I had our the same lady. thought. Yeah. And then when I read this article on the burden of hurry, just like I would have never had that beautiful reflection with our Lord if I hadn't slowed down. So yeah, I guess I just, all that to say is Dave, what are your thoughts on hurry and how to slow down? (laughs) Hurried in, yeah, I'm hurried in so many different ways. I mean, my first, my first thought is just my inclination to multitask. Mm. and not be fully present to one thing for any sustained amount of time. Yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately that includes prayer. And even first thing in the morning with morning prayer and, and reading the scripture, the mind is is already operating. You know, my mind is, you know, jumping to the day ahead and, uh, thinking back to different things that had happened the day before. So just to breathe and to settle in to that, you know, this moment and, and pay attention to, um, to, to where I am, but then where the Lord is with me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, and really see where, where and how he wants to act in, in that moment mm-hmm. and, and realize that, uh, um, that he's God and I'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and yeah, just let him be the Lord of my life undistracted and, you know, and personal. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's where the relinquishing of this grasping at busyness comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Is, really gets to the root of trust. Like if I let go, am I going to trust that you'll still sustain me? Like if, if the Lord is asking me to take a break, um, and to step away from whatever causes me like this un ungodly hurry, am I going to trust he's still going to take care of everything? And that's, that's huge. Like this idea of surrender and trust, I think. Mm -hmm. 
one that I know I can grow in more. And actually part of the article says, um, how often is it when someone asks you, how are you doing? Do you say good, but just busy? How often do you hear that? All the time. I know, that, right? A, we say that a yeah, lot. That's my standard response. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have a friend who, um, who decided, actually, I'm going to say I'm full and I'm going to change my mindset that the Lord is doing a lot and I'm not busy. My life is full. And I, I just thought even that small change there helps us to recognize, okay, as long as I'm, I'm being filled and if it's with good things and I'm doing good work, now, of course, we may need to make that distinction between are we grasping at busyness versus the fullness. But Can I hold you to uh, accountability on that then when I see you in the, here in the morning as we're getting ready for the cafe and say, Amanda, how are you today? Mm, I don't think I've ever told you busy. You've never said busy, but you haven't said full either. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's, That's right. a great response. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's bring... Uh, Kelly Henderson into the conversation. Kelly is the new president and CEO of Catholic Social Services here in Columbus, a former resident of Western Tennessee. Good morning, yeah. Kelly. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Amanda. It's an honor to be with you, and I am full today. Oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll get into your story and your work with Catholic Social Services, but tell us about your experience with busyness and being hurried ah busyness well you know we're a hurried culture right mm. we're obsessed with getting things done and and checking those boxes and making sure our day planners are complete before we go home it's almost become a part of who we are but uh, at the end of the day though we we have to remember that god is always already there and god is always already there in our lives at every point and god is outside of time right so if God is less concerned about the past and doesn't worry about the future, God is very much a God of the present. And so I think that is how I mm. try to bring pause throughout the day and try to find some peace and some moments between the noise where I can reflect and I can offer a little gratitude uh, for the present that we have. And, and in our work at Catholic Social Services, it's very much about a ministry of presence with right. the people that we meet. And so we have to make sure that we're pausing to be present with them in their moment of need. Um, and so that's a good reminder for, for folks in, in, in our line of work. Actually, that's a really good point because how often sometimes are we in conversation with someone and we're thinking, oh, I have to go soon or I have to do this next. And we're really not present to the person in front of us. That's, that's exactly right. And, and that, that is felt. And if you think yeah. about it, how many times have you been with someone, to use your point, Amanda, where, where you felt like they wanted to be somewhere else mm. or they were already somewhere else? Mm. And mm -hmm. so being able to pause for a moment and say, I'm here, I'm with you, uh, is, is, is really powerful. And I think it's really part of what we're called to, to be as Christians, as, is in relationship with each other and present with each other. And together we experience God's encounter. I've heard that said about Pope St. John Paul II when people would, you know, meet him in the in the audiences, when they would step in front of him, it was like they were the only person, in the, it, the two of them were the only people, mm. you know, and he was just so present to them and just saw it in his eyes, 
you know, that, that, that contact. And obviously you don't have that in a virtual world. You know, you don't have that, that eye contact and uh, the same presence that you do sitting around a cafe table. Maybe that's a, uh, a call to spend less time virtually, unless you're streaming AMA 20. Boom. <laughs> Man, you are a good friend, Kelly. A good friend. What, what, what does it mean when you say, you know, Amanda, how are you doing? And you say, I'm full. I mean, what, what, what does that mm, mean? Okay, well, for greater context, I think in contrast to saying, good, just busy, saying, you know, I'm, I'm doing good, I, but I have a full day. And so it's this idea of replacing this word busy with full and recognizing, okay, if we're, if we're doing what the work that the Lord has asked us, mm-hmm. you know, balancing our, our work life, even though it's, even though our day will be very, maybe quote unquote busy, um, hopefully we could switch our mindset to like, no, I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm doing what he's asking of me and providing for my family, but, but I'll have a full day today. It's almost like seeing it with, um, new eyes and optimism. I mean, yeah. does optimism come into it? Yeah. Where it's full and it's good. Mm-hmm. I think so. Where busyness says to me also, it's, it's hectic. Yeah. It, and, a, jumping and a burden. Around and a burden. And it, it can be, of course, if we're not doing it well, or if we're putting our identity into it. Um, but it also can be good if, if we're doing it well. I came across a term a few years ago, walking at the speed of Jesus. Mm, I like that. And I, yeah, it, it really just, I, I just have this image then of walking through, you know, through the Holy Land with them, mm. you know, from, yeah, we have a destination. He knows where we're going, but we're just walking together mm-hmm. and enjoying that time together, chatting. Yeah, <laughs> and and if we're walking too far ahead or too far behind, we're we're actually not with him. Mm-hmm. And I think th- this actually gives a good visual to kind of what I was sharing earlier. Is I'm I am working on how to invite Jesus into every part of my life, and so yeah, if. If he's too far ahead of me or too far behind me, then I'm not at the right speed. <laughs> and I'm not seeing him in my present moment. Hmm. Kelly, you're also a, a lay Carmelite. I am. It, it's, a, it's a big part of my life, uh, finding connection and purpose in a 800-year-old tradition, uh, similar to you have, obviously, mm-hmm. with your secular Franciscan vocation. And... and um, we, as Carmelites, we express our charism as a contemplative attitude. You know, we, we say that our charism, our gift of the Holy Spirit to, to the family was prayer. And so how do we bring prayer into everything that we do? Uh, my spiritual director is Carmelite Friar, and he, uh, he says we need to learn to work between our prayers instead of praying between our works. Oh, I like that. Wait, will you say that again, please? Work between our prayers instead of praying between our work. Mm. And we it, it goes back to that burden of hurry, right? We're always busy. Well, I don't have time to pray. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip my morning office because I'm late for an appointment. Or I'm going to I'm going to uh, you know, skip that 
point of adoration during the week because I'm just too tired. Um, there's an opportunity in our lives to be still, to listen. You know, God's language is a language of silence, right? And so how do we, how do we still ourselves and listen? And that's a big part of the, the Carmelite charism is learning how to still yourself, which is not an easy task, mm-hmm. right? I, I have a mind that's like a tree full of birds sometimes. <laughs> it's always going. I'm always yeah. thinking and planning, and, and there's chatter and all, the, all, the, all the time in my head. Now, to your listeners, that's, that's not been diagnosed. I just want to be <laughs> clear about that. <clears throat> it is a spiritual challenge. That, but it, being able to say, okay, this, in this moment I'm going to be still um, is something that it's intentional. And Carmelites really try to find stillness. And then in turn, we help others find stillness and teach others to pray. It's funny you mentioned the tree full of birds because when I was doing evening prayer at this park last week, I, there's just so much noise. And it was obviously birds, and I couldn't figure out, you know, I'm looking on the ground, looking in the sky, I couldn't figure out where they were coming from. So I, I walked over near uh, this uh, small cluster of trees, and they were all, I, and you, you couldn't see them at all. You know, the, the, full, the fullness of, uh, you know, the leaves in the tree blocked the sight, but they were obviously there, <laughs> and, and a lot of them. I just stood there trying to figure out, you know, what is going on here? Are they startled? Are they hiding from something? Are they just catching up with each other on their day? (laughs) Uh, And then it stopped. I mean, complete silence then. I mean, all together, you know, there wasn't one or two left chattering in unison. Oh. I mean, it was really striking. But there's that, you know, from... It is possible. I mean, to bring it back to, to our minds, I think that that is possible when you recognize God in that moment and trust and give him control, everything can stop. You know, mm-hmm. All that noise can disappear. That's a wonderful analogy. And, and it, no matter how brief that moment, God's grace can intervene in that and fill you and give you the courage and strength you need to go forward which is really important because our world is in crisis and seeking purpose. And perhaps we are the the folks that can bring that moment of peace, that moment when we can be present with someone and help them experience God. Love that. Love that. So Kelly, you are very new to the Columbus area. I am from Western Tennessee. Moved from Memphis. I've been here right at a month. And uh, I love the city. It's a mm. great town, great vibe, uh, great food. I'm still looking for barbecue, though. So, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I don't All know right. if you have any barbecue well. sponsors of the show, but let me know. <laughs> I, I, and Memphis has barbecue. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I may have to break out the smoker. Yeah. I'll be a neighborhood favorite soon. We'll come so. to your house. <laughs> and people that love barbecue have very strong opinions about what makes good barbecue mm-hmm. they do they do and that's uh that's probably a topic for another show day <laughs> you know, barbecue with kelly <laughs> now is i'm, I'm going to stay on the barbecue for a second though because is so st louis style barbecue right is, is different from 
that's not the sauces. That's more of the the rubs and the spices. Is that right? Or you've is got Memphis a lot style? Of, you've got a lot of difference between uh, the the cooking style and uh, the rubs and the spices and the mm-hmm. smoke and the wood and the sauces and and uh, and how it's served and whether it's ribs or whether it's brisket. Oh uh, yeah, brisket. Uh, if, if we're in if we're in the deep south, we're probably talking more brisket than we are ribs. But you know, St. Louis, Charlotte, Memphis all claim to have great ribs. So um, it's uh, it, it's a it's an entire universe of meat fest. Por- meat fest. Por- <laughs> pork or uh, beef? I'm a pork guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. We we have a future together, Kelly. (laughs) I can see a fast friendship unfolding here. I look forward to breaking bread with you soon. Amen. Amen. Well, let's say, okay, so in in, uh, Tennessee, you were the executive director of Catholic Charities of West Tennessee. Is is that different from Catholic Social Services? That's a great question. So there is a there's a national uh, association of member agencies we call Catholic Charities USA. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they don't have a governing role, but they serve as a way of helping us with national policy work on the issues that are important to Catholics. They help us with national funding. Uh, they help us convene around uh, important topics. And there's 168 different member agencies across the country, including Catholic Social Services here in Columbus. Um, and there are seven Catholic charities in the state of Ohio, and they're all we all relate. Matter of fact, we're all getting together tomorrow Excellent. here in Columbus to do some policy work together at the state level. So, collect- well, the timeline to find a good barbecue place then is short. It is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I, I'm, I've got a sense of urgency, a burden of hurry here to be able to make this happen. But uh, you know, collectively, Catholic charities across the country is the largest uh, nonprofit social service agency in the country. Collectively, we serve over 50 million people across the country. Here in Central Ohio, uh, Catholic Social Services serves about 14,000 unique people every mm. year. And if you've seen one Catholic Charities or one Catholic Social Services, you've seen one Catholic Social Services. We okay. all are unique to the needs of our community. We're chartered uh, to serve um, at as the social arm of the bishop's vision for the diocese in which we're chartered to serve. And so we work closely with Bishop Fernandez. We work closely with the faithful in the community to say, what are the needs in our community and how can we together as a, as a, uh, an organization supported by the faithful, supported by volunteers to serve the needs of our community. And for us here, that is working with vulnerable seniors who are seeking belonging. Social isolation is a real challenge in an aging population, and so we want, we really respect the dignity of life all the way and help people age in place and have purpose. We also work with low-income families, many Spanish-speaking families as well, Um, and then we have uh, an innovative program that works with uh, college students navigating non-academic barriers in their life to stay in school in what we call stay the course and finish and enter the workforce as, as qualified workers in a growing economy because Columbus is booming. Mm. Now, on all three of those areas, are there partnerships that are developed with secular organizations to work towards that goal? Or- Absolutely. So with college, college-age students, we're working with uh, Columbus State. Mm-hmm. With um, many of our um, family programs, we work with uh, – local attorneys we look with we work with the food collective in town we work with corporate 
partners who can come in and provide training and support because we have to be able to work together as a community if we're going to to address some of the long-term challenges of poverty. Um, it's not just a charitable thing to do. We must work together to to right that ship. Um, and, and that's really a big part of who we are is creating opportunities for the community and particularly the people in the pews to get involved and be a part of our ministry. Let's talk some of it. I know, I knew, I know you're very new to this, so I don't want to put you on the spot too much on, on specifics. I'm sure you're still getting the lay of the land, but I think a, a, obviously the need of caring for our seniors, um, aging boomers. I mean, this is a huge population. Mm -hmm. And then you look at what the culture is saying about the value of the elderly. We're seeing it in other parts of the country. I'm sure we're going to see more of it here in Columbus in regards to euthanasia and end of life, um, issues. What, what does this look like for Catholic social services in, in serving the elderly? What are some of the things that are happening on the street? Well, many of the things that we do is focused on helping, helping seniors who perhaps don't have an extended family network. They're, they're living alone. They perhaps are isolated. So number one is a ministry of presence where we're able to spend time and, and be with them. And so that's a great opportunity for volunteers to be involved, to come and sit down and hear stories, mm -hmm. uh, to sit down and go through scrapbooks, to sit down and meal plan uh, with someone that would otherwise just be alone. And so a ministry of presence is very important. That helps uh, our seniors find hope and purpose because they have hopes and dreams. Although in the twilight of their life, they still have vivid hopes and dreams. And how do we help them express those hopes and dreams through our relationship? We also support seniors uh, with what we call our payee services. So we help them with money management as well. Okay. Um, at a certain point of our life, we're all going to be on a fixed income, right? And we rely on having people around us to be able to guide us in that process when we need to make tough decisions and make sure that uh, you know, we're meal planning appropriately, the, the bills are being paid, and, and the obligations are being taken care of. And so we support seniors in that path as well. We provide transportation services to get to the doctor, to go grocery shopping. Uh, just think about all the things that we can do ourselves mm -hmm. today, or we could do with the help of our family members, and then take all of that support away. That's what Catholic Social Services mm -hmm. tries to do, is wrap around a senior who, uh, and we're, we're becoming their surrogate family at that point. Yeah. Some of the most heartbreaking stories that I heard and, and experienced through the pandemic was the isolation of, uh, of seniors, uh, had a, had a friend whose father was in a nursing home and the only way that they could interact was through a window, you know, just looking at each other. And it's just heartbreaking that, it was so um, palatable how lonely he was and, and disconnected and just spending all that time in his room watching the news that was telling him mm. how isolated he was and how many people were dying in these facilities. Sure. And you must, uh, you were in Western Tennessee at I that point, and I'm sure time. you experienced it. We did. Um, we social isolation was a real challenge across the, the full spectrum, and so how do you 
how do you be present with people and how do you uh, interact with people in an area where we had a lot of unknowns as well. We weren't really sure what this thing was. We had common, we had a common enemy of sorts. We were trying to figure out how to defeat this thing. But what we found is community began to form organically and our work in West Tennessee was really primarily focused on food insecurity and people experiencing homelessness. And so there was a lot of social isolation that came with that as well. And so being able to, to let community form organically was pretty powerful. And we do the same thing with our seniors here. Uh, there's opportunities for them to interact. They may be living in a building with 100 other seniors uh, in their own rooms. And so how do you bring them together for activities and how do you bring Good. them together to build yeah. community? Because uh, community is a beautiful thing. And that's that's that extended family that we all need. And, and, and we know that although we're, we're hurried in many ways, we're also hurried to the point that we don't have time to be neighbors anymore mm-hmm. and getting to know our neighbors and spending time with our neighbors is something that seems a distant memory. And so how do we bring that back? How do we, how do we help develop community and neighbors serving neighbors and neighbors being with neighbors uh, in our work? We do that a lot, obviously through volunteerism by helping people remove that other. You're, they're no longer an other that you're here to, to help. They're a person that you're going to get to know mm. and you're going to walk with them instead of doing something for them. And so that's an important part of solidarity, which is Catholic Social Teaching 101. Yeah. Yeah. So what do your volunteer opportunities look like then? And what's the need that you have right now? Currently right now, our, we need volunteers to work in our food pantry and our Guadalupe Center, which serves low-income families on the west side. Uh, we need volunteers that might be interested in, in becoming uh, part of our foster grandparent program to support um, families and, and grandparents and aging seniors. Uh, we need volunteers that might be interested in doing a home visit and building a relationship with, with a senior. And so there's a, the number of volunteer opportunities that we have. But one of the things that I'm hoping we can do at Catholic Social Services, and me being new to the community, I'm taking a moment to listen mm. and find out who we should be in the community for the future. We've got a wonderful past and we've got a wonderful uh, team that is doing amazing work in Central Ohio, but what does the community need of us going forward? And I think that is going to lean into opportunities for more people to be involved at the corporate level, at the school level, at the parish level where people can get involved and serve. And that is discipleship. That is evangelization. That is solidarity. There is so much that comes from when you connect someone in need with someone willing to serve. Mm-hmm. That encounter is the beginning of hope. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If a friend has moved today to to connect with you, do, do they contact Catholic Social Services directly, or is it through the parish? What's the best way for them to get involved today? best way for them to get involved today is first visit our website. We Mm -hmm. have more information about each of the different initiatives and where we serve. Uh, And you can do a search engine for Catholic Social Services Columbus, and it'll come up, but it's C-O-L-S-C-S-S dot org. C-O-L-S-C-S-S dot org. And you can learn about us. You can see opportunities to get involved. And here at the end of the year, uh, giving is very important, so you can also support our cause. If you can't serve in person, you can serve with your philanthropy. Amen. I am going to put you on the spot now, though. Come back to the cafe, spend more time with us. Sure, I'd love to. I'd love to just pray through 
some of the teachings of our Holy Fathers mm-hmm. on on social services with you. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a that'd be a wonderful show, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we have a lot of opportunity to learn from the rich tradition of our church. Matter of fact, if you just look at our last three pontiffs um, and see the interconnectivity of their work, we know that John Paul II relied on helping us understand the mercy of God and and leaning into that mercy and being with each other in solidarity. And then to see that transform itself into Benedict XVI's where he, he introduced us to God is love. Mm. and understanding that a gift of charity is not giving away something that we have. It's a gift of ourselves. It's a gift of presence. And then we hear now in Francis's teaching all about solidarity and kindness. And uh, I'd like to read an excerpt from Fratelli Tutti. It's sure. last encyclical, if that'd be okay. Yeah. Pope Francis, uh, and he continues the thoughts of John Paul II and Benedict XVI when he talks about kindness. He says... Kindness, it frees us from the cruelty that at times infects human relationships, from the anxiety that prevents us from thinking of others, from the frantic flurry of activity that forgets that others also have a right to be happy. Yet every now and then, miraculously, a kind person appears and is willing to set everything else aside in order to show interest, to give the gift of a smile, to speak a word of encouragement, to listen amid general indifference kindness you know love is hard we're called to love love is not easy because I might disagree with you I might not like who you are today but we can begin with kindness Mm -hmm. kindness brings us forward toward love and then if we allow love to develop we know that God is love and that encounter creates a beautiful lasting relationship but it begins with kindness and that's what we call a tease for your next appearance here in the cafe. <laughs> Amen. All right. You'll come back? I will. I've enjoyed time today. Thank you. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly Henderson, you. the new president and CEO of Catholic Social Services. Thanks for being with us, Kelly. Awesome. Thank you. God bless you, brother. You too. And now joining us in the cafe, another new friend, brother Michael Herlahe or Herlahey? Herlahe, you got Herlahey. it. I guess if you're saying hi, you would say Herlahey. <laughs> Hi, hey there. <laughs> there you go. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So you are a friar minor? Yes. Of the capuchin flavor. I am. <laughs> yes, flavor is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome Very to Columbus, true. first of all. Thank you. Thank uh, you. When did you arrive in Columbus? It's been three months. Yeah. Three months. So. Yeah. And you're at Christ the King? Yes. Yes, on the east side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about Brother Michael Hurley. Where are you sure. from? Yeah, I'm from outside of Philadelphia. Okay. So I'm a little sad that my Phillies lost the other mm. night, but very happy that my Eagles are doing well. <laughs> um, but yeah, a place called Westchester, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so I'm in my eighth year with the Capuchins and was ordained a deacon a couple months ago and getting ready for the, the priesthood here coming up. Wow. And, Praise uh, God. Yeah, yeah. Very, very excited. Very, very excited. So, And where are you in seminary then? So we do our diaconate in the field, full-time in okay. the field. So are you deacon brother? I am, yeah. Deacon okay. brother. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so we do it, but we do all of our studies at Catholic University of mm-hmm. America in Washington, D.C. Really, really great spot. And 
So I went from five years living five years in D.C. out to Columbus. So I'm <laughs> loving the the lack of traffic. Although some people probably this morning are in some traffic, but uh, yeah. So it's it's I love Columbus. I love the Midwest. I'm a city guy, definitely. And living in small city is great because you get the city feel without some of the the tough parts of the traffic. Is this your first time in Columbus, or have you? Yes, actually, paths. very first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was unexpected. Again, we live a vow of obedience. We go where we're sent, where we're needed, and. I thought I was going to be moving about two miles away to where we serve in D.C. And then I found out, oh, okay, I'm going seven hours away <laughs> to Columbus. So, no, so your province, is that the correct term? Yes. For it, is mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania based. province. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know some other Columbus guys or Ohioans, I think, that are that are also Capuchins. If- yes. So there's five of us living at Christ the King. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, other Capuchins that are originally from Columbus. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Tommy? Tommy Pilata, yes, brother yeah. Tommy. Wow, oh, yes. So you didn't connect with him and say, "Tell oh, me, tell oh, me all yeah. about I Columbus." I definitely did. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. What? Because he was—is he at CUA? So he was, but now he's studying over in Rome. Okay. So he's getting a doctorate in Franciscan theology and studying a lot of Saint Bonaventure, one of the famous Franciscan theologians. And yeah. So he'll be—he's been there for like six years. So he should be coming back next year, back to Columbus, hopefully. <laughs> that would be wonderful. So, mm-hmm. That would mm-hmm. be awesome. Now, Philadelphia, is there a Padre Pio shrine near there? Not far from there. There is a Padre okay. Pio shrine. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. a Capuchin. So why don't yes. you talk a little bit yes. about the Capuchin flavor? Sure, sure. Yeah, so Capuchin, so we're definitely one of the oldest. Um, we're an older religious order, so there's 500 uh, we're about 500 years old. We're actually the fourth largest religious order in the church. So, oh. yeah, the largest would be actually surprisingly the Salesians. I know there's not many here in the United States, but it makes sense. They work, work with young men, and so they'd be the largest. The OFM Franciscans would be the second largest in the world, and then the Jesuits, and then the Capuchins. So there's about 10,500 of us. Okay. So, what do we need to move up in the ranks then? <laughs> so. Hey, look, where the Lord I say calls me, I'm, I'm third order. So, oh, there so, you go. So let's, yeah. There you so, go. so we want to go past the Jesuits next, okay. right? Is, is that what? <laughs> I guess so. We'll work on it. Vocations. Yeah. Well, there's more secular Franciscans than any order in the world. So, yeah. and only yeah. God knows how many exactly. different types of Franciscans there are. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, so I mean, we really got our roots. We were founded in 1528, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was really this, as with many Franciscans, right? There was this desire to get back to living the way that Francis lived, but especially in the areas of of prayer, especially contemplative prayer, mm-hmm. and then also in living simply, right? Living a life of poverty. So, yeah. So actually, our first uh, founders were were hermits, mm-hmm. right? So they were hermits and. And actually, many people don't talk about this because understandably, like in our American society, like we put a lot of value on work, right? What you can accomplish and we're very active, active, active. And so, but many people don't talk. St. Francis would spend six months out of the year as a hermit. Yeah. In yeah, prayer. Yeah. We uh, made a family trip to uh, Rome and Assisi okay. back, back in the spring. Oh, wonderful. And our our guide's a friend, um, Brett Thoman, who lives up in Loretto. He's a okay. third order Franciscan. So he took us up to the Hermitage uh, or the Carcheri, yes, uh, up mm-hmm. in the hills, and mm-hmm. I, I knew that Francis would go there often for retreats, but I didn't realize how much time each year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six he months lived. out of a time. I didn't realize yeah. that either. Mm-hmm. 
and that's largely been lost or is forgotten the right word with sure. within the within the franciscan family mm-hmm. in a lot of ways but then just mm-hmm. in the public when you think of francis it's all action action action, action you action, forget action. the uh the content the contemplative nature mm-hmm. of uh of oh, the, life. the contemplative is huge. It's absolutely necessary. I mean, to begin your day with prayer, to end your day with prayer. Yeah, without, I mean, without the life of prayer, then your active life is really not going to bear a lot of fruit. So, but yeah, he did. He spent a lot of time in prayer. And so I think the Capuchins wanted to get back to that. Um, so eventually, so we started as hermits, right? And then eventually what did call us out from being full-time hermits was, uh, it was a plague, right? In the early 16th century. And many, many of the, the clergy kind of left, right, to escape the plague, but the Capuchins really came and served the people. We realized, okay, well, the people are suffering and they still need pastoral care. Or they still need the sacraments. And so we came out from being hermits and, and started to work with the plague victims. And actually 2,000 Capuchins died as a result wow. uh, of this. But, and that really won the hearts of a lot of people. Um, so, but again, that came, that calling, I think, came from the Holy Spirit from that time in in prayer. And so I think still today, to your point that there is very much in our culture and in religious life, even as well, this loss of, of the importance of, of prayer. But I would say the Capuchins have a stronger emphasis on the contemplative life. In fact, I did the math once. Um, the brothers, if, if we, we pray together as a family in common, 10% of the year, so five and a half weeks of the year, we're praying together in common. If you add up all of our times every day together, that 10% of our year is actually praying together as a family. And uh, a family that prays together stays together, right? You've heard that before. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think the captains have kept that in many ways, like that life of contemplative of prayer in a, in a good way. So I'm such a high extrovert. So sometimes I have a tough time sitting still, but I need it. I need it. I need it. <laughs> I need it. So. Brother uh, Michael Hurley, he, OFM Cap, OFM is in Cap. the, is in the uh, cafe with us this morning. Have you been to Rome? I went with my family before I joined the order. No, I've not been to Europe since joining the order. Yeah. Have you Have you heard about the Bone Church? I have. I have. Never been. Never been. It's remarkable. Have you heard about yeah. it? I've heard about it. I've never seen yeah. it. I would love to someday. Um, you got to do that as a part yeah, of your trip. Yeah, and it was pretty intense. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> Yeah, so explain it to us. Okay, well, you know, it's, it's so it's, it's just a church right there on a busy street in Rome, and you step into it, and immediately you go back four or five hundred years mm-hmm. into, um, especially into the lives of the Capuchins in a very dramatic, real way because their bones are all there. You know, mm-hmm. some of them skeletons, but the the chandelier or the, you know, the lighting fixtures, you know, that they had made were out of uh, the Capuchin's bones mm-hmm. and um, just a room full of the church, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a very real way. You know, they, this is uh, uh, the church alive. Mm-hmm in their bones is that you know what i'm getting at so mm-hmm. it, it's just a reminder of that that connectedness that we have to those that went before us mm-hmm. the sacrifices they made and then now still alive in all of us but in a very real way i, I think for mm-hmm. you brother it would be really striking just to, to see 
we're still living this this life and the whole memento mori mm-hmm. and um yeah and, and you're going through when we were there with a lot of people but there's such a, a respectful silence mm-hmm. uh that's maintained mm-hmm. all the way through it it, it it was an amazing amazing experience and then you walk back out into the world you know and um but yeah that's that stayed with us it was a pretty intense intense uh experience mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned memento mori like that latin phrase remembering your death and and again in our understandably many of us are scared of death right because it's like the unknown right what happens afterwards where am i going etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think with the christian understanding of death is that if we do have that loving relationship with the Lord, we believe him in him and we're, we're living our our lives with him first. It'll end up being the best transition, the best move you've ever had in your life. Right. Certainly, certainly an exciting an exciting event. And so if you'll see a lot of Franciscan art, it'll often have a skull, Mm -hmm. right. And Francis holding a skull. Sometimes on our side rosaries, we will have even a small skull on our side rosaries and, you know, in some ways that can seem kind of morbid, right? The, the Capuchin Bone Church can seem morbid in a way, but really it's this constant recognition of preparing, that this life is to prepare for the next, you know, that our life does not end here. And and actually, so Capuchins have done that very tangibly in some ways. This, again, it may seem morbid, but again, if you remember the Christian understanding, some of our brothers have have their coffins, their future coffins as their bookshelves in their room. Mm. Right. And so every day you're seeing like you're preparing, like I'm going to be God willing going to heaven one day. And another story that I love is um, we have two Capuchins that uh, were brothers, biological brothers, as well as Capuchin brothers that were living in Detroit. And one of the brothers was preparing to die. He had had cancer. And so his brother, as a way of preparing for his death, decided to actually build his brother's coffin. And so Obviously, as many of you know, coffins are very expensive. And so also in living with our vow of poverty, he begged for all the materials, $25 in total. He spent and he carved this beautiful coffin. And as he was making the coffin, he prayed for -hmm. his brother's soul that would be buried in that coffin. So his brother did pass away. And then he decided, I want to do that for myself too. So he made his own coffin. And so we were really inspired by that maybe five years ago. So now in the capitals of my province, we do that. Any brother that wants to be buried in a, in a coffin made by one of the brothers can do so. And so we have a couple of brothers in Pittsburgh who are great carpenters. And so they pray for each brother as they're making these coffins. So really like a tangible way of preparing for your death and mm-hmm. recognizing that this is God willing going to be the greatest move of your life. <laughs> yeah. And one which you'll never have to move again. <laughs> well, and, th- and that's yeah. what was lacking that actually there was never a sense of it being morbid going through the bone mm. church. It, it, I mean, like I said, it was intense, but it, but it wasn't dark or, or morbid. There, there was something so full of life there. And again, I think it's that connection between those that had gone before us and then also encountering, you know, the, those that are in front of us mm-hmm. and, 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 and seeing that life that, that we're gifted with right now. So in, in Detroit was this, were those brothers, Solanus Casey was also mm-hmm. a Capuchin. Was it, were they in that community of Capuchins there? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that province. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 
Solanus Casey, you guys out here in the Midwest know Solanus Casey way more on the East Coast. I've been delighted coming here and seeing how many people know about about Solanus Casey. And there's a great miracle of uh, that he does with ice cream. If you ever get a chance to look it up, Wait, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan <laughs> of ice cream. That's our love yeah, language here. Oh, that and barbecue. But, oh, he's yeah. great. And I actually got the privilege. I was in the Novitiate, which is our second year. Yeah. And it's kind of like a year long retreat, our second year of formation, Novitiate. And you don't get to leave the novitiate but we got to leave for the beatification and and to see seventy thousand catholics on a cold november rain a cold rainy november night coming and filling detroit lions stadium oh it was i was meeting people oh yes i used to i knew him growing up or he'd come wow. to my farm and my parents were friends with him and talking to the friars who lived with him and Oh, yeah. We had the privilege of going to the beatification. Oh, also. did you? Great. Yeah. Um, what's the story about uh, the ice yeah, cream? Tell I'm us. trying to remember all the details. Um, I I don't want to do it injustice, and I should have looked it up beforehand. But it has something to do with there was a friar that was was sad, that was struggling, and someone had given them ice cream, and but then he had gotten distracted, and so he put uh, the ice cream in the drawer, and... <laughs> <laughs> who puts ice cream in the drawer of the, of the Casey. office, yeah. right? But then when that brother, I think it was something related to that brother needed some cheering up. And so he opened the drawer and pulled out two ice cream cones that were wow. unmelted. And if you get a chance, look it up to fact check me. But yeah, a, you know, a blessed that does miracles with ice cream is my kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Why isn't he a saint? Come I on. know, right? <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, Therese, where you pray for roses, this color for this, this, you know, same with ice cream. Is this the thing? <laughs> Make it a trend. I'll, 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 I'll check and let you know. I'll yeah. check my drawer over there later. Yeah, uh, there's got to be a drawer in here somewhere. Come on now. Brother Michael Herlihy, OFM Cap, uh, is our guest here in the cafe, serving at Christ the King Parish here in Columbus. There are so many just great uh, Solanus Casey. Let, let's do a show on, on Solanus Casey's stories. Uh, I know uh, uh, Father Benedict Rochelle. Mm -hmm. I think he was in his novitiate when... He first met Solanus Casey over when uh, Solanus lived in Indiana. And there's some stories there, too, with beehives and uh, witnessing uh, uh, Blessed Solanus in ecstasy. So, mm -hmm. yeah, what a gift to the church. Very saintly and, man. And, folks, it's only a couple hours up the road uh, to Detroit to visit the shrine there. And it's, it's well, well worth the trip. We took some sisters up with our family uh, to the beatification and— uh, uh, the sisters had never been to uh, uh, Steak and Shake. Oh, so so oh. so I remember that day how awful the rain was. I, I mean, it was just soaking torrential rain. So we parked a little bit away from the stadium and got pretty well drenched on the way over. But you walk into uh, into the stadium, Lions, you know, stadium, and the joy that was in there. Mm -hmm that day was palatable and the sisters of life everywhere you turned there'd be a group of sisters of life and like are they multiplying is this the same group or i mean are, are they but they all came through and some of them stayed here in columbus on their way up and then encountering all all the capuchins and all the friars that were there we just had a blast so so we leave at the at the end and it's raining finally get back to the car get out of detroit and uh, all the way back to Columbus, all we wanted to do was go to Steak and Shake. And the first one we passed had closed. So finally get all the way down, 
uh, to Marion, which isn't too far from here. We pull in like two in the morning into a steak and shake. And so our family and uh, three sisters walk in. It, it, it was just the look on the face of the people that were sitting in the restaurant and the workers are like, you know, it, like do a double take. Is this some weird vision that we're having or uh yeah so we were able to get our milkshakes and burgers with the uh the sisters oh the weird looks are definitely an experience yeah you i get got that often all the time well especially around halloween this time of year that's oh, what i was gonna say no. are you a jedi exactly jedi are you i got asked once if i was a worshiper of ball that was impressive what that they knew that and oh yeah comic are you in the comic con i got yesterday Every time you go around, guys, way too early to start dressing up for Halloween. And you're like, this isn't a Halloween costume. <laughs> do you, do you, have you had an opportunity? I'm sure you have to walk the neighborhoods around Christ the King. I have. Get mm-hmm. to, there's some great neighborhoods, some good little uh, uh, Catholic uh, uh, communities growing up around there. Yes, yes. Oh, I like being kind of a boots on the ground religious, right? I like, I like being amongst the people, yeah. The off being in the office is not my cup of tea. So being out with the people is definitely enjoyable. What kind of extrovert are you? What a high you one. A high one. <laughs> a high extrovert. <laughs> a high extrovert. So how many uh, brothers are, are or friars are there here in Columbus? Yeah, so there's five. Okay. They jokingly call us the UN, right? So there's all from the province. There's a guy from Nigeria. There's yeah. a guy from India, from Mexico, and Dominican Republic. So... Yeah, but all part of our, all except for the brother from Nigeria is all part of our province. And okay. So I have, I'm eating great food, let's just say that. Yeah, they're very good cooks and eating food from all over. But yeah, there's five of us here and we're taking care of uh, Christ the King and St. Thomas, the Apostle as yeah. well. And then uh, Blessed Sacrament, there's a Hispanic community that's emerging there. And so we're caring for them. And then also Bishop Hartley, we're the chaplain of Bishop Hartley as well. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. St. Thomas has a real Franciscan feel to it. It does. Oh my gosh, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm glad you're there to care for that community. Mm-hmm. And what are, what are you, what's your role then at Christ the King? Yes, my role is several. Uh, one, I'm a youth minister. So mm-hmm. I'm the full-time youth minister, which is a dream job. I love working with youth. And so spending time, I spent a lot of time at our school, All Saints Academy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then run a middle school youth group and a high school youth group, and then I'm a deacon, and then also training to be the next vocation director. So, wow, mm-hmm. all great things for an extrovert. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> meeting lots of people, <laughs> meeting lots of people. What, what was uh, what was the first day of school like for these kids when they when they saw Brother Michael? Oh, I had the second graders coming up and asking if I was Jesus. <laughs> which was beautiful i mean yeah. honestly to me like i want to look for jesus that strongly yeah. like they were running up to me and like are you jesus even running up and giving me a hug and saying mm-hmm. are you jesus like mm-hmm. that level of faith and looking for jesus I, it moved me it moved me you know some of the eighth graders were like man that's cool what's that thing you're wearing you know i was like well it's kind of like a snuggie you know it's <laughs> 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 but it's called a habit <laughs> It's a Catholic snuggie. And, uh, you know, the the seventh grade girls were commenting on the Chacos and, you know, the sixth graders were the sandals that I wear. Okay. The the sixth graders were like, man, look at that drip, you know, rating the drip in other terms. 
the drip is really a term for kind of like what you're wearing the oh the bling you're wearing the whatever <laughs> kind of clothes or they're just joking around but um well, yeah definitely pretty cool, a lot of questions <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of questions and i've learned a lot from the kids a mm. lot from the kids uh in fact i mean unless you become like a child you can't enter the kingdom of heaven so that's partially why for me it's a dream job i get to spend the majority of my day with people i'm supposed to imitate in order to go to heaven mm. like that wow. to me is such a privilege mm -hmm. such a privilege and that's why like i love meeting people that love working with youth in the church because i'm like there's your there's your blueprint to be able to enter heaven is to to love like a kid right to run up to a stranger and welcome them what's your name big smile on your face Do you want to come play yeah. you know immediately to um to just yeah just loving just love 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 that unconditional love that the children have is is such an example for me in fact it was was one time this was not too long ago i was uh, stationed in harrisburg and we were in a really rough area of Harrisburg. And so there was definitely a lot of stories and a lot of challenging situations, but I was grateful to be there for it. But sometimes I would just need to have just laugh. And so I'd play with the kids um, that were in the neighborhood. And one time this one kid uh, came up to me and he, he was like, hey, are you Jesus? And I was like, no, I'm not Jesus, but he's a friend of mine. And he's like, he's my friend too. Do you want to play? Never met the kid before. And uh, I was like, sure. So I played with him and I just... I sensed that this kid was special. There was something about, special about this kid. So I was like, so when we, when they went to leave, I said, Hey, could you pray for me? Meaning like before you go to bed tonight, could mm -hmm. you pray for me? And he immediately dropped down on his knees, closed his eyes and folded his hands right in front of me wow. and began to pray for me. And I was like, Whoa. So I knelt down with him and he, he was like eight years old and he just prayed for me right there. And, and then I opened my eyes and turned and I see his entire class is just, frozen watching what's going on and then one of his classmates comes running up she goes can i pray oh same thing drops down and kneels and starts praying and i've never forgotten that and i'm like i want to have that boldness of like can i pray for you right now yeah. can i pray i don't care if my classmates co-workers boss you know yeah. his teachers are watching too like that boldness to just pray for each other i so yeah i learned so much from kids so much from kids about how to be a good Catholic, yeah. be a good Christian, you know? And so I get I to do that, that full time at Christ the King. I know? love that. Do you have an ordination date set? i not sure. So Cardinal Sean O'Malley, who's mm -hmm. a Capuchin, and uh, he's a Cardinal of Boston. So he he's so attached to his Capuchin roots, so he'll do the ordination. So it's kind of about when, when his schedule is free. and But it'll be in June at some point. Outstanding. So, yeah. Well, we really will pray, pray for you. And Thank you. Can you come back and visit us some other oh, time? Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, mm -hmm. is this a good time of day for you? It is. Okay. It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you are our official go-to capuchin. Okay. Now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. And I'd love to share. I've got so many stories about the missions because I know we're kind of going back to the early church kind of in this country in many yeah. ways. And a lot of inspiring stories about the missions, about some of our brothers going to some of the missions and... Love to love to share those because they've inspired me. Let's do it. So. Let's do it. Brother Michael Hurley, he, OFM Cap, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it, it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow morning.